Hello, this is Len Tengis welcoming you to the iPodcast AGCMO Weekly Podcast. In each episode, we'll feature information about a contractor, specialty contractor, supplier, contracting agency, owner, or legislative or regulatory issue pertinent to the construction industry in Missouri. We'll feature industry professionals and other construction industry representatives to help our listeners stay up to date with current and future trends in construction. So here we go. Welcome back to iPodcast AGCMO. We have two folks today to talk about money and talk about owner succession, talk about how to position your business for the next generation. Those two guests are John Biedenstein, and John is a financial advisor and retirement plan specialist for Correct Capital Wealth Management, and we have Kirk Tebow, and Kirk is a VP of retirement for the principal. He has 23 years at principal working in this industry. So, John, thanks for being here. Thanks, Len. Appreciate having you here. Let's talk about a little bit about owner succession and what sort of things are companies doing that you're seeing for owner succession? Len, we see this as a big struggle when you have a successful company and you start looking down the ranks to say, well, is my family or some of the other owners that are with you, do they have an interest in either working in the business or or not? So we're seeing more companies look to management and also looking to their employees to think, hey, all of you have been in this journey and helped us to be successful. And companies are looking to what we refer to as an ESOP, an employee stock ownership plan, as a function of essentially allowing those key owners to move out of the ownership of the business and hand it over to people that have worked with them for a very long time, managers, employees, and in some in some cases, you know, just uh, people that they bring into the business. Thanks, John. Kirk, let's talk a little bit about what you're doing at the principal and what you know about this topic. I'm sure you know a lot about it. Well, I work with a lot of people that know a lot about it, Len. So thank you so much for having us here. It's a pleasure to talk with everybody today. When we take a look at what John had talked about with an ESOP, an employee stock ownership plan, ultimately, as we look at the employer landscape today, there are a lot of business owners that are looking to kind of understand what their next step is and how can they move on and be able to set their business up for success moving forward. One of the pathways that they'll have to be able to start to transition out of the business is by selling the business to an employee stock ownership plan. An employee stock ownership plan, otherwise known as an ESOP. Right on. Okay. Absolutely. So the owner then wants to move on, transfer to the next generation. That's the strategy that's the pathway that is a pathway and certainly the pathway that we're talking about today it's been very popular i hear of a lot of our members who are going down that pathway it has been you're spot on Um, actually the highest concentration of esops in the industry is in the construction industry okay so what what separates an esop from other transition strategies absolutely esops unique 
with transition strategies and an ESOP is unique with retirement plans. It, it's the intersection of the two. You know, if we think about what a business owner can do, if they're not comfortable or if for some reason they're not able to pass the business on to their children, then they really have three avenues by which to sell, either to a strategic buyer, maybe a competitor, maybe a, a collaborator. A merger, an M&A. M&A, private equity, uh, be able to sell to, to private equity, or an ESOP. And there's positives and negatives to all three. What we have seen over the years with how ESOPs really fit in in the construction industry, though, is there are a lot of positives for not just the owner who's looking to move on, but also for the company. And what are those positives? What are those benefits or special items? Number one, the owner can sell part or all of his shares of the company to the ESOP. He can get some form of liquidity for that. Maybe it's immediate. Maybe it's kind of more annuitized over five to 10 years, but it's the only one of those three strategies where they can stay in control of the company while becoming liquid with part or all of their interest in the company. So how does that control, what, what shape does that take? So we have to think about the fact that an ESOP is like a 401k with two distinct differences. One, the only investment is employer stock. Okay. And number two, no employee money can go into it. An ESOP only has employer stock that the employer grants to the employees on an ongoing basis. Well, it is a qualified plan. So okay. it, it takes that stock in pre-tax. It allows it to grow uh, tax deferred. And because of that qualified status, not only does the company not pay taxes, on the percentage of their revenue from the uh, that's owned by the ESOP. But the plan in and of itself cannot be a decision-making entity. So the owner is still making the decisions. That's exactly right. While this trickle of assets is being transferred to the employees. Exactly right. So it is very attractive because the employer can start to really pass the business on to that next succession group of executives and employees, still guide that whole process, still be very hands-on with that whole process. And oftentimes what we see is they won't cash out all of their stock at that single time. They might cash out half of it and get paid on that over a five-year basis. And so they're invested in the company doing well so they can continue to receive their payout. And the tax advantage nature of this transaction, which would not be the case in private equity or, or M&A, the tax advantage nature of this equation really allows the company to do well is now they have a they have a, a club in their golf bag that they didn't have before, and that may make a tremendous amount of difference. Now, when we get to the end of the road here, Kirk, and a hundred percent, okay, so the employees own all the stock. 
the employees own the company. Where do we go then? What what is the structure of control at that point? So we think about ownership is one thing, decision-making ability is another. So the plan would own the shares that the employees would then be fully vested in. So yes, the employees would own the company, the plan would own the company, but those are non-decision-making shares. And so there will be a leadership group of the company, just a, you know, an executive suite, if you will, that you would have normally, whether or not there was an owner and that person may or may not have been the president, there's a, the C-suite, all of that exists within an ESOP. This is a balance sheet and retirement plan set of transactions. This is not a leadership transaction, if you Are will. there different classes of shares or everybody pretty much have the same type of shares? Or? There certainly can be different classes of okay, shares. Okay, so this can be structured in a lot of different ways depending Absolutely. on how the owner and whoever the leadership team is who is taking over control want to set this up. Yes, and we see ESOP structured a, a number of different ways in this regard. You might have three owners and all of them want to get out. You might have three owners and only one of them wants to move on. And this is a great way for the other two and the organization to kind of purchase the company from that one owner. You might have one owner and they're not totally ready to exit the business, but they'd like to sell half of their shares. So a lot of different ways to do this. So if I'm listening to this and I think this is going to be the way I want to go for succession planning, where do I start? Yeah. Other than calling John and Kirk. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> well, Probably a great place to start is for us to speak a little bit about when this makes sense and when it doesn't for a company. If you are listening and you are already doing some business succession planning for your company, a great way to start to introduce this concept in an X's and O's fashion is to think about a few things. Number one, generally speaking, companies that look to onboard an ESOP have somewhere 25 to 30 plus employees, generally they would need to be a profitable company. The ESOP isn't going to make a bad company good. It's a financing structure, but it certainly can help take a good company and make it even better. And the two other key metrics here is generally speaking, we're looking for at least a million of EBITDA. What's EBITDA? It is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. That's a mouthful. It is a mouthful. <laughs> and I would be lying if I said it just rolled off the tongue. Okay. But that is the, you know, if we think about what one figure can we look at for profitability or a measure of profitability, EBITDA is definitely something that uh, tends to be on their accounts, tip of the tongue and also a business valuation of their company of roughly five million or more. Okay, okay. So, so that, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this and, and what I said just checks all of the boxes, then that's great. This is an avenue that's worth pursuing. 
Um, and, and I would, just as a balanced approach, also, if you have a private equity firm that you're talking to, if you have a merger of equals or a, a collaborative firm, partner firm, none of those are bad options. There's some very unique things with the ESOP, though, like being able to get your money while keeping your control as an owner that tends to just be extremely attractive, period, let alone in this industry. Well, I learned a lot about ESOPs. The one thing I didn't hear about was, are there any costs associated with going through this whole process? Definitely. And I'm glad everybody's Nothing's sitting, free. Nothing's free. I'm sure everybody's sitting down for that big surprise. This is the sale of the business. Instead of selling it to another company or to a private equity firm, you are selling it to your qualified retirement plan. And so the cost of that transaction can generally go between 150 and 250,000 that one time. The three parties that you'd be paying for there are the attorney, is the attorney that would be involved, the valuation firm, and then an independent trustee. So think a couple hundred thousand to sell your company is probably a good ball, it's not probably, it is a good ballpark. And then on an ongoing basis, the costs of uh, maintenance for the ESOP would roughly be around thirty dollars to $50,000 a year. That's paying the valuation firm every year to tell us how much the company's worth. It's paying the accountant to be able to do the audit. It's paying a company like Principal to do the record keeping for the plan, give you a statement, give you a website. Uh, give you a mobile app, allow you to to see everything as a participant, um, and then potentially some trustee costs. So think a couple hundred thousand first year and maybe thirty to fifty thousand dollars ongoing. Those can be big numbers as we talk about something like this, but when we're talking about selling your business for millions of dollars, those tend to be right in line with the other options, if not less expensive than the other options. So that's what we're looking at from a kind of a cost framing perspective. Okay, thank you. Anything else you want to share before we wrap up? I just really appreciate the ability to be here with you guys today and I look forward to answering any questions, seeing what I can do to be helpful after this. Well, thank you, Kirk. I appreciate it. And I'll make sure the contact information is in the notes with the podcast. Thank you. John, I saw something some rumor about this National Association of Plan Advisors. What What is the National Association of Plan Advisors, and why should I care? Well, many might think it's NAPA, and it's on the backside of trucks. Okay. But it's actually the National Association of Plan Advisors. And very recently, our team, Correct Capital, was named one of the top D.C. or defined contribution advisor teams in the country. We're actually the only one listed in the state of Missouri. It's a qualification process. NAPA is an organization, and it's much like AGC, which is helping contractors you know, do their business. NAPA's total function is to really help people be prepared for retirement, help people beat financial literacy so they understand what the important things are about saving for retirement and trying to do it for the long term. 
And so. you can also obviously help with this ESOP process, this owner transfer process we just talked about. So the ESOP, again, is a great uh, or an ESOP or an employee stock ownership plan is just a great vehicle, and we've seen it with many contractors for an owner succession. The first ESOP was actually done back in 1956. It was uh, structured via a San Francisco lawyer who set it up for a company named Pensacola Newspaper, which had two founders that were in their 80s in you know, they weren't running the business anymore, and they needed to hand it down to some successors, managers, employees. So that was a year before I'm born. I was born, but candidly, throughout my career, I've had the, been fortunate enough to work with a couple St. Louis companies that were involved in set up ESOPs, and then I work with companies today uh, that have employee stock ownership plans. Well, Kirk and John, thank you very much. I know that none of us sitting in this room are getting any younger today, and I know that everybody listening to this is also getting older and needs to be thinking about future planning for their company. So this is extremely helpful. I know a number of our AGC and Missouri members are moving in this direction or already have, and I'm sure this will continue to be a trend. So now I think we have a much better picture. Thanks very much. Thanks, Len. Thanks again for listening. It's easy to subscribe to iPodcast AGCMO on almost any podcast platform that you use. We hope you do subscribe and continue to listen as we move forward with this important project for the construction industry. To access our prior podcasts, visit www.agcmo.org, not only for podcasts, but for additional information about AGC of Missouri.